Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this time as we share your word with your people. Thank you for the ones who came out to hear your word. I thank you, Father, that there is a blessing in hearing the word of God. Lord, as we celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Father, I pray that you would grant your pe unto your people the spirit of sin and the spirit of knowing, the uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Strengthen them, cause them to know you. I pray that they'll walk away from this place not the same, Father, I thank you that your word is, wherever the word of the king is, there's power. I thank you that your word has been given to us. And as I declare it and speak it into the lives of your people, I pray that they'll grow and they will be strengthened in their faith. And they'll walk away from here knowing who you are and much more, more than they did prior. Father, grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may known the mystery of the gospel. Satan, you are defeated. You are bound. You cannot hinder this gathering. Father, you said where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, you are in the midst. And I thank you for being in our midst, causing your word to be magnified, causing your spirit to, to move in our hearts and among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles at the end of the queue, or you can go with the smartphones, um, John chapter 15, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version, John 15. It's so good to be back home with you all. Uh, it's nothing like KLM. I love my church. I mean, this is the best church in the world. Um, and I'm just so grateful for what God is doing in us and among us and uniting us and adding to us. And it's just an exciting time, <laughs> you know. Um, and so don't ever despise small beginnings. You know, because what starts out small will eventually get big. And, um, and so I believe with all my heart, we, we are impacting the world. Um, people from all around the world are listening to the SoundCloud, people from Brazil, um, just different places. I mean, I wish y'all could see maybe one Sunday or Thursday, I'll uh, put a, a picture of where people are listening from. Um, somewhere by Sweden, um, they ripped SoundCloud this, this last two weeks. Like it was like 70 downloads or something like crazy like that. So, so God is using us to impact the world. So, praise God. So I'm going to read John 15, um, chapter 15, one through let's let's play one through 17. Um, I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear much fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken unto you, or to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be, be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants or slaves, for the servant or the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. And so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command so that you will love one another. What a powerful scripture. Um, I love this passage. This passage reveals to us who God is, who Jesus is, and who we are. Number one, God says, the Lord says, I am the true vine. It reminds me of what Exodus, in Exodus when God um, told Moses to go to Pharaoh, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, and, and Moses said to the Lord, who should I say send me? And Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, I am that I am. And so one thing about God, he is who we need him to be. So whatever we want him to be or need him to be, he is that, you know, a wonderful counselor, a provider, a healer, and so forth. And, he's, and so Jesus is picking that great saying, I am up. He says, I am, which reminds me of what the Lord told Moses. I am the true vine. One of the things that we have to uh, be aware of is that there are some, un, un, some, some branches or some vines that are false. So th you think about a, a tree and the vine and, 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 and connecting. Jesus says, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the only vine that can give you life, that outside of Christ, there is no life. Outside of Christ, there is no salvation. And so uh, it reminds me of John 14, 6. He said, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he's declaring who he is. He's the true vine. There are false vines. People are connected to the other people, right? People are connected to money. People are correct, connected to careers. Co people connected to whatever, idols. But Jesus is saying that, you know what, you can't really live outside of me, that I am the one that brings you life. I am the true vine. And then he turns around and he says, the father is the vine dresser. I don't know about you, but I had to look up what vine dresser was. Vine dresser is, in the King James, it says husbandman or um, um, he would, uh, like a gardener. That's another way of saying vine dresser. A vine dresser protects, a vine dress, dresser trains, prunes, and cultivates. And so Jesus is the vine, and, and according to Romans, Romans talks about that we Gentiles have been engrafted in the olive tree, and the Jews have been actually broken away, broke, broken off of the olive tree, and Jesus is the olive tree. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the only one to give you life. There is no growth without me. There is no life without me. Um, that's good news. So if you got Jesus, you got everything that you need. And then Peter, Peter picks up and says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that you need in life 
And to live for God, you, you already have it. There is no excuse. It reminds me of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Am I going too fast? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he, I'm paraphrasing, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Before I preached this past weekend, what I did is I, I get very nervous when I preach. And so what I do right before I preach. And so I was confessing to myself, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The greater one is inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than all the youth and all the young adults, all the older people in this room, in this retreat. Greater, the greater one is inside of me. He's strengthening me. He's giving me, give, give me the ability to do the task that God has assigned me. And that's the way I go. Even when I have to present to my class, I say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I declare that I, the greater one is on the inside of me. And so that's the mentality. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. He's the only one that can give us life. The father is the vine dresser. He's the one to cultivate. He's the one to train. He's the one to prune. So the father will prune you as a Christian. So tonight I want to talk about abiding in Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Um, so many of you all have been saved for some time, right? How many have been saved for five years or less? Five years or less. Okay. How many of y'all been saved 10 years or less? How many have been saved 20 years or less? Or 15, 20, you know, <laughs> somewhere along those lines. Okay. All right. So um, you've been, everybody's been walking with Christ, with Christ for some time. But I think what, what we fail to do is to produce, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So Jesus said, I am the true vine. I'm the one to give you life. So you can't handle this Christian life without Christ. So you need to rely on him every single day, every day. And one of the confessions that you should say with your mouth, that I know the voice of the good shepherd and a stranger's voice, I do not listen and I do not follow. That's John chapter 10. You begin to read that, and he, Jesus declares that he's the good shepherd. Notice that Jesus is always telling us who he is. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. Notice it's not a way. He's saying a definite article. I am the way. And here he says, I am the true vine. So Jesus knew who he was, and we likewise should know who we are in him. He turns around, tells us who the father is. The father is the vine dresser. Look at verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So in other words, if you're not producing as a Christian, then you're not really connected to the true vine. So that, that, that verse challenges all of us to examine our walk in Christ. If we're not producing, if we're not producing fruit, then we're not connected to the true vine. So you have to judge yourself. You have to make, say, am I producing fruit? What fruit? I mean, I know I ask this question from the text. What are you talking about, Jesus? What fruit? What, are you, what fruit? You, you're not even telling me what the fruit is. But I want to submit to you, it's the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of what it, the evidence of what it means to walk with God. When you are walking with God, you, God is going to show up in your life. There is no doubt. If you're praying in private, God will reward you openly. If you're fasting in private or giving in private, God is going to reward you openly. He's going to show up in your life. He's going to throw his grace and his glory on your life, and people are going to see it. 
um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this in a minute. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So if you're not bearing fruit, then you're really not connected to him. Then he turns around and says, but if you're bearing fruit, if you're bringing forth fruit, the father is going to prune you so that you can bring forth more fruit. And so you ever been in a situation where God puts you uh, or allows you to be in a situation that is not comfortable? As Christians, God calls us out of our comfort zone and calls us away from what we know as the norm. Um, I'm challenged. Every time I come to this church, I'm challenged with the fact that I'm not, we're not witnessing as a church. And so I, I, one of the things I was, I was cleaning out the closet just a little bit, I, I found those, the, those um, cards that we you know, put the address on and you hand out. We need to do that. And I say, God, I, I'm, I, I need to go and evangelize. How can I, how can, give me Perth Amboy. Give us Perth Amboy. Give me the unlost for, for my inheritance. Psalm 2, that's Psalm 2. So we need to pray to, to that end. We need to train. We need to preach about it. And we need to go out and win. We need to fill this church. You know it's God's will for our church to be overflowing. That is so many people that we got to go to two or three services. Then we got so many people that we have to get another building. We got so many people that we have to get a bigger building. I mean, everything about God is growth. Everything about God is growth. And so if you're connected with the true vine, you're going to grow. As a Christian, you should be growing more in your love, more in forgiveness, more in patience, more in joy. So you need to check in those things. If you're not growing in those areas, then that means something is wrong. You're not really abiding in Christ the way that the Father wants you to abide. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm simply saying that you're, that, that you're not getting what you need in Christ. You're not pulling on that true vine to be producing. God wants you to produce at your work. You should be the best worker that your boss has. You should be the best spouse that your, 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 your spouse could ever marry. You should be the best student. You should be, you know, you can, the list goes on. The best one to manage their money. The best one with, with the wisdom of God and so, so forth. And so God wants you to, wants us to grow. And as we bring forth fruit, he's going to prune us. The Father's going to prune us so that we can bring forth more fruit. So he's going he's gonna to cut some things away. So we can bring forth more. He's going to get some weed out of our lives, right? He's going to cut those weeds, those things that are holding us back, the, you know, the weights, the things that keep us from growing. The Father is after those things. I'm telling you, as you pray, specifically as you pray in tongues, the Spirit of God will go after those things that are, that's holding you back from growing as a Christian. I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. I want to be a biblical Christian. I want to be the Christian that the Bible describes. I want to be the man that God has God predestined for me to be. But it's not going to happen to me automatically. I have to seek God. I have to go after him. And as I pursue God, things begin to fall off of me. Strongholds. You know, those things that we borrow from our parents, right? The, those negative, ungodly habits and attitudes and mindset, the Lord wants to break those things. And then there are some things that we develop our own self, right? We expose ourselves to different movies and different music or different friends or different influence that shapes the way that we think and, and causes us to think in a way that is unholy and unrighteous and displeasing to God. And so the Spirit of God is going after those things. The Father wants to prune us from those things because those things are hindering us from producing the fruit that he gets glory out of. You know, we're producing something. And Jesus said this in Matthew 7. Am I going too fast? Y'all let me know if I'm slowing down. I'm going too fast. Or 
I need to slow down. Matthew 7 talks about every good tree will produce the good fruit, and every bad tree or diseased tree will produce evil fruit or bad fruit or diseased fruit. And so you're producing something. You're either producing fruit for the glory of God or fruit that is glorifying the flesh, that, is, that, that, that Satan is able to get a hold in your life. The scripture says in Ephesians that give no place to the devil. Don't give him any place. You give him an inch, he'll take a foot. You, you let him in your car, he'll drive. <laughs> so beware. Don't pick up the devil. Don't allow the enemy to get in your life. Let's continue. Verse 3 says, um, you have all, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. This is a powerful scripture. Here, the word of God cleanses us, keeps us clean. David said it in Psalm 119, verse 11, I believe. He says, I've hid your word in my heart, so I wouldn't sin against you. And so we must hide God's word in our hearts. I mean, there is no doubt about it. I don't know about you, but my biggest struggle have, has been since I was born again at four was reading the Bible and getting the Bible in me. That has been the strong, the, the, the biggest battle. But I'm telling you, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, strengthens us. We can get this word in us. And when you get the word in you, you can defeat the enemy every single time. We know that there's an enemy, according to 1 Peter, that the Bible says the, um, the, the adversary, the enemy, he's seeking, he's going around, right, seeking whom he may devour. And so if you get that word in you, you can stick the devil with it. The Bible's called the sword of the spirit. So you take that word and you stick him with that word. You use the scriptures like Jesus used them. It is written. It is written. It is written. The number one way to defeat the devil is through the word of God. But if you don't have the word in you, guess what? You can't defeat him. He's going to defeat you every time. Most, most Christians, Christians that I know walk in defeat. Most Christians that I know. They live way below their privileges in Christ. They put up with sickness and disease. When my son comes to me and sick, I said, let's, let's pray. I'm going to rebuke that off of you in Jesus' name. I break the powers of sickness over your life. You know, uh, when my wife comes to me about something, right, watch what you say. Don't, don't say anything contrary to the word. We got we to gotta train ourselves. You know, stop saying, my coworker. I'm, I'm one of my coworkers. I tell them, don't say that. There's a couple of them are saved. I said, don't say that. You know, they were talking about the graduation, that the graduation was going to be a failure, and da 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 da. My, our boss did wrong. This. No, no, don't say that. We believe in God that it's going to be a success. We believe that people are going to show up and God is going to show out. God is going to honor our supervisor, even if she doesn't deserve it, because we work here, because we're the salt of the earth, because we're the righteous. God is going to bless this organization. He's going to bless this nonprofit. He's going to bless our, this graduation. And that's what happened. I stopped them. They were praying at, before, before the graduation. One woman, she was praying, and then all of a sudden, she just started yakking her mouth. I said, wait a minute. You just got finished praying. Now you're nullifying your prayers. You're, you're saying the opposite of what you believe in God for. And so the scripture here says, you are already clean through the, word, the words that I've spoken to you. Do you know that the word of God cleanses you? The word of God clean your, cleanses your mind. If you've got a problem with your mind, the word of God will clean it. Um, the word of God to clean you up. The word is given to us to change our thinking. How many know we got some stinking thinking? We don't think right. We think too low of ourselves. You know, the, I don't think so much our problem is some people do think more highly of themselves than they ought to. But we, on the other hand, most of us, that I think, 
that we think lower than ourselves than we ought to. And so God says, come up with our thinking. Um, spend some time, make a decision to spend time in God's word every day. I'm telling you, when you make a decision to spend time in your Bible every single day, guess who's there is going to cause distraction? The enemy. He's going to fight you. He's going to make sure you're going to, you know, I got to do this. I got to do this. Somebody's going to call you this. He's going to cause emergencies, different stuff. Listen, make a decision. Say, you know what? This is so important. My life depends on that word. My life depends on it. Um, if you don't spend time in the word, you're just not, you're just not going to be strong in the Lord and strong in Christ. The word will make a difference in your life. Stand and live in contact with God requires you reading the Bible. When you read his word, guess what? You enter into his presence. Every time, and you may not feel anything. How many ever read something and you just feel dry? The begats and the Leviticus and the things that, you know, like, what does this have to do with Jesus or me in 2016? Read it anyway. We're going we're gonna to give you some steps about that. I'm just checking my time. If you're reading the word and believe everything that you're reading, your life will change. So as you read it, believe it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the children of Israel had the gospel preached unto them, but because they didn't mix faith with what they heard, they did not enter into the rest of God. So when you read the Bible, when you meditate it, when you speak it, believe it. Just say, I believe this. Even if I don't understand everything, I believe the Bible. I believe tongues, is, tongues are for today. I believe healing is for today. I believe God wants my needs to be met. I believe God wants me to have an abundance of joy. God is, God, I believe God will give me wisdom to win the loss. God will give me wisdom on my job. God will teach me how to be the best wife ever there is. God's going to teach me how to be the best husband. God's going to teach me how to be the best worker. I believe that this is God's will for my life. And you got to believe it. Go into the Bible. So many people read the Bible and there's no faith there. But the Bible says mixed faith that children of Israel did not enter into the promised land or the rest of the Lord because they did not mix what they read or heard with faith, with faith. So you all understand this. You got to believe it. So you know what? I believe this. Even if you are doubting in your head, make a decision. I believe God's word. I believe that. Um, and it goes on. It's it, John chapter four. 15 chapter verse 4 I'm sorry chapter 4 um, chapter 15 verse 4 it says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me you know it's impossible to have a successful victorious Christian life without Jesus you can't do this without him you cannot I cannot so abide unless you abiding in him that word abide simply means to have a unhindered, um, vibrant fellowship and relationship with God. Just unhindered, just ongoing. You're abiding, you're dwelling. You're, you know, the, the, there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. That word be still means to stay, understand, be quiet, quiet yourself. And that's how it is in Christ. You are abiding in him. I mean, make that your confession. I abide in Christ and he abides in me. I cannot do anything without him, but with him, I can do all things. You know, that has to be your faith. That has to be your confession. And so here Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. In other words, live in me, dwell in me, make your permanent home in me and allow me to make my permanent home in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, you will not be able to produce a life worthy of the Father unless you are abiding in Christ. Paul said it like this. Philippians chapter 3, he says, um, he says that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness. That I may be found in him. That means if you could be found in him, you can be found out, out of him. You know? And so listen, be found in Christ. In Christ. Be found in him. Abide in him. Stay with him. Never put it with, I just walk away with God. That should never be a, 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 a thing that you say with your mouth. You're going to stay, stay with him. Stay with him. Dwell in him. Don't, don't just have visits with the Father. Have habitation with the Father. Live with him. and Have him on your mind all the time. Think about him. Make a decision in light of him. I make this decision in light of God. How do you do that? What, what does it say that in the scripture, PD? I'm glad you asked. For, um, Proverbs chapter 3 talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. So acknowledge him. Go around and say, I acknowledge you today, Father. I acknowledge you, Lord. I acknowledge you on my job. I'm not saying don't do it loud, just to yourself. <laughs> and go around your house. I acknowledge you, Lord. I acknowledge you. You said if I acknowledge you in all my ways, you will direct my path. So I'm never without direction. I always know what to do because I'm always acknowledging him. I'm abiding in him. I'm going to produce fruit for the glory of God. Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, I am the vine. I love this. Jesus is declaring who he is. Then he turns around and says, you are the branches. So who are we? We are the branches. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. And we are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Understand, specifically this is talking about you cannot produce fruit worthy of the Father without abiding in Christ. Unless you have a real, authentic relationship and fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, you will not produce fruit. How many so-called Christians say, well, I just, I'm doing all the right things, but they're not producing. Why are they not producing? Because they're not abiding in Him. We got to abide in Him. We got to allow His life to abide in us. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not really I that's living, but it's Christ in me living. In the life that I now live in this body or in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It is through the faith of God, a faith in Jesus that governs everything that I do. I live by my faith. It's not that Jesus is a part of my life. He's the center of my life. And just like a wheel, right, the center of the wheel, Right? Everything flows from that center, right? Guess what? That's the way the Christian life should be. Everything about Christ, Christ is the center. He shouldn't be the first. He should be the center. He shouldn't be the first. He should be the center. So it's not like you put him first and then do everything else you want to do. But you put him the center and you do everything in light of him. 
You live your life. You married in life, life in light of him. You give. You have money in light of him. You make decisions about education, careers in light of him. You make decisions about kids in light of him. You 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 relate to your parents in light of him. You relate to your neighbors, your enemies in light of him, right? Because otherwise, you just give them a piece of your mind. You upset. You cut them off. You you break them in. You you idolize them. You worship. You know. You do all these things. But when you make him the center, everything you do is from that faith. And so that is the faith that we're, we're protecting. So your faith should govern everything that you do. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So you should operate in faith in everything that you do. You eat your food in faith. I, I believe that, if, you know, I pray over my food and I thank God for it. I give thanks to the Father for my food. And guess what? I trust God so much that I'm not going to get sick. Even if there's something in here. Now, you don't go in knowing there's something in there and do it. You don't want to tempt the Lord. But, but you trust God. Say, Lord, I trust you to keep me. Before I leave my house, I pray as I'm locking the door. I lay my hands on my door and I pray. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house. And I say, Lord, I want to thank you. There are angels watching over my house. There will never be a burglary. burglary. There will never be a fire. There will never be an accident. You watch over my house. Lord, I thank you. You give your angels charge over my house and over me and over my things to protect me. And I say all the time, I thank you, Lord, that no accident shall overtake me. Why? That's the scripture. Philippians, I mean, Psalm 91, it says that... Um, that he's given his angels charge over us and no evil shall befall us, overtake us. Let's continue. And verse um, six says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Right here, the scripture tells us about hell, basically. This is Jesus describing hell. What happens to those people who are thinking they're producing in actuality, they're not producing, and the Father will take those branches and throw them away, eventually gather those branches and throw them into the fire, eternal fire, the lake of fire, the, you know, hell, eventually the lake of fire. So Jesus is describing that the consequences of not abiding in Christ is hell. That, that makes, that's very sobering, right? Just think about, there are many people, many branches, because they're not producing, the Father's going to take them, throw them out, gather them, and eventually throw them into the lake of fire. Verse 7, if you abide in me, how are we doing with my talk? Okay, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will or you wish, and it will be done for you. Do you believe that this, this night? Do you believe that if you abide in Christ and his words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Whatever you wish. Okay, let me just break this down a little bit. Um, you you got you got to make a decision to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ means remaining in a continual, unbroken, unhindered fellowship with with Him. Unbroken. Uh, you know, when I know that I, I I'm sinning, I repent. Be quick to repent and quick to forgive. Every day, I, when I, I make my confessions, confessing the word, I confess over my finances, and I confess over my body every single day. And so this is what I do. I say, Lord, I, I forgive everyone. I release everybody. And I'm telling you, I, 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 for my supervisor, when she has done stuff that was evil, I forgive her. I call her out by name. I forgive um, friends who have done me wrong. 
I release everybody. I refuse. Be quick. Just one of the things what unforgiveness does, it hinders you from receiving from God. So when you don't forgive, if people do you wrong, be quick to forgive them. Say, I forgive them. I release them. In Jesus' name, I release you. In Jesus' name, there will be no strife and no unforgiveness in my life. Lord, I forgive. If my wife gets on my nerves and she does something to hurt my little feelings, I forgive her. I forgive her. I release her. That doesn't mean you don't confront. That doesn't mean you don't deal with it. But you don't let that take root in your life. Because the root of bitterness will build up and it will hinder you and stop you from producing. Um, so a relationship was given to us by Christ. But fellowship is developed by you. You're born into this family of God. You didn't, you know, it was something that God did through Christ. He, he caused you to be born again. But fellowship is something that you have to make a decision with every day. You know, understanding that I'm related to God because of Jesus. So it's not really my relationship that, that I have to develop. It's my fellowship. Spending time with Father God. You can be married or in a family related to a person, but never spend any time with them. Right? Likewise with God. God expects us to spend time with him. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm not. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. So he's waiting for us to open up our hearts for him to come in and sup with us to have dinner with us, to fellowship with us, to commune with us. Prayer is one way we commune with Father God. Um, the Word of God is how we commune with the Father God. So you got to make a decision every single day to spend time with God daily. You got there. The devil will bring distractions. He'll cause you to get busy. You got to make a decision. You cannot bring forth fruit by yourself. You can only you can't produce a life worthy of God outside of Christ. You got to stay plugged in. Got to stay plugged in with God. Fruit is will only fruit will only be produced as a result of, of abiding in Christ. The more you commune with God, the more fruit you will have. The less you commune with God, the less fruit you will have. The scripture says, "If you abide in me." All right? And my words abide in you. Ask what you wish, and it will be done unto you. How do we abide in Christ? You just remain connected. And in turn, he turns around and says, And his words abide in us. Colossians 3, verse 16 says, Let the words of Christ be dwelling you richly. So we are to be rich in the word. One of the ways that we know that the word of God is abiding in us, the word of God abides in us to the extent that we live it. So if you're not living this word out, the word of God is not abiding in you. You got to get the word of God in you. I mean, I can preach Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and Thursday, every first Thursday, you know, every Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And unless the word of God abides in you, if you get that word in you, that word starts changing you. Things that start breaking off of you. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, let's go over there. I think I'm quoting scriptures too much and not letting you see them. John chapter 8, verse 31, and then I'm going to close it out after this. John chapter 8, verse 31, when you got to say, I got it. It says that 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Notice that if we don't abide in his word, we, we cannot be his disciple. You got to abide in his word. So one way that you abide in Christ is abiding in his word, getting this word. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been preaching this same message for years. And the number one battle of the Christian, I believe, is getting that word in you. Getting that, making, a, making it a priority. It says, what, what happens if you get the word in you? Verse 32, you will know the truth. And guess what the truth will do? It'll set you free. What do you need to be, what do you need to be free from? Sin, um, bad habits, wrong for attitudes, wrong thinking. I'm telling you, the truth will liberate you. Once you understand who you are in Jesus and who God is, who the, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit, it will set you free. I'm telling you, fear has gripped a hold of a lot of God's people. People are afraid to be who, who God's called them to be. Fear, I mean, the fear of death, the fear of life, the fear of success, the fear of failure. There is no fear in God. You know, you don't have to ever be afraid, ever be afraid of anyone or anything. You don't have to ever be afraid of a snake or a drug dealer or somebody on the street. I have angels. You, you got to believe that God is protecting you that that truth will make you free all right i'm gonna close with this what are some pointers how do we get the word in us the holy spirit will use the word of god to set you free now jesus has legally already set you free so legally you are free but most people don't walk in the freedom so what the holy spirit does he executes the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. He, he helps us to walk in Christ, abide in Christ to the place that we're free. Imagine being free from worry. You never worry a, a day of your life. Never, never worry about a single thing. I'm telling you what, sometimes, you know, I know sometimes my wife can fall asleep while driving in the past. I'm gonna say in the past. She's fell asleep while driving and, and sometimes I couldn't get a hold of her on the phone. And I said, you know, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not going to worry about it. One of the most spiritual things you can do is go to sleep. For real. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about that. That, that bill is due. God got it. He promised to meet my needs. So it's no, there's no need for me to stay up and worry how I'm going to pay this bill. There's no need for me to worry about my wife and she's going to make it home. She's going to make it home. I'm going to sleep. And you gotta get that, you gotta develop that attitude. You gotta have bulldog faith. Just I'm I'm not gonna worry about anything. God's gonna got it. He's gonna get me out of this. Uh, He's gonna deliver me from these student loans, this mortgage. He's gonna set me up for the rest of my life. I trust him enough. If I can trust him for my salvation for eternity, I can trust him to meet my bills. I can trust him to give me some wisdom. I can trust if they let me go tomorrow, I can trust him to give me another job. You got to have that type of faith. I believe God's word. I don't know about you, but we, we got, God is looking for believers. He's not looking, you know, so many Christians are weak. They let the devil beat them up. First thing, they get sick, they go to, you know, cabinet, get some medicine, call the doctor. Learn how to believe God. You know, 
oh, 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 the sickness, I speak to the sickness in Jesus' name. I command it to go. I mean, I can imagine neighbors probably hearing me going off. I said, in Jesus' name, I live and I die and declare the works of the Lord. I never have diabetes in Jesus' name. I never have cancer in Jesus' name. I curse every symptoms of cancer in Jesus' name. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And my kids will serve God all the days of their life. They were born in the wrong family. <laughs> the scripture says in Isaiah that the great, um, the scripture says um, that my children are free from oppression. Great is the peace of my children and oppression is far from them for they are taught of the Lord. I'm confessing that. I got one son now. I'm going to have others. You know, but I got to speak those things. I got to speak what God says in line. So one of the ways that you uh, get the word of God in your heart, and I'm going to leave with this, is that Psalm 145, verse 1, let's go over there. I think this is my last scripture. Psalm 145, verse 1. Actually, it's not. I just lied. Um, give me charge it to the cross. Psalm 145 verse 1. Psalm 145 verse 1 is not the scripture I want. <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 45 verse 1. Psalm 45. 45. Psalm 45 verse 1 says this. You got to say I got it. It says my heart overflows with a pleasing theme and I address my verses to the king. That's powerful, right? My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. King James says, a pen of a ready writer. Okay, so let's go to Proverbs 3. So remember, your tongue is like what? A pen of a ready scribe or pen of a ready writer. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse um, 3. Well, let's start with verse 1 through 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your what? Heart. So I'm, I want to submit to you one of the main ways that you get the word of God in your heart is by using your tongue to write on your heart God's word. If your tongue is like a, a, a pen of a ready scribe, a writer, God will use your words to write. God will use your tongue to write his word on your heart. Everybody understand that? When you speak God's word, it's, the Holy Spirit will write it on your heart. He uses your tongue to speak his word or to write his word on your heart. You got to open your mouth. I cannot emphasize this. I've lived like this since I was a little boy. For a season, I stopped and I saw the results of it. And I'm telling you, it works. You got to open your mouth and you got to say what God says. One of the ways that we release faith is by what we say. You don't believe me, right? What about Romans chapter 10, verse 9? I mean, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If thou shalt come with your and believe in your that Jesus, God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In Hebrews it says that Jesus is the high priest of our 
confession. So what you say, God will move on what you say. You're writing his word on your heart when you speak it with your mouth. Get index cards, get um, highlight scriptures, and throughout the day, speak it. Speak the word. When I'm walking from my car, from my car to work, I say, I thank you, Lord, that the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. I thank you for ordering my steps. I'm saying his word back to him. When I'm praying, I'm praying his word back to him. Everybody understand this? Jeremiah says, God hasten to perform his word. He will perform his word in your life. Death and life are in the what? Power of the tongue. You got to open your mouth and speak some things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for helping us to abide in Christ. Oh, God, I pray that you would stir us up to get in your word and allow your word to get in us. Let, we, let us speak your word throughout the day, Father. Make our tongue of a pen of a ready writer. Let, let us speak what your word says. And, Lord, I thank you for seeing the results. I thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.